This is Unleashing Leadership, and I'm your host, Travis Moss, and welcome to the Unleashing Leadership recap of The Infinite Game by Simon Siddick. This is where we take our entire body of work this season. We cut out the YouTubes, we cut out the quote days, we cut out all the other stuff. We just look at the points from the book, and we recap all of those, so you got a nice table of contents here in case you want to go back and listen to stuff, or in case you're just trying to get, you know, the, the gory tidbits of everything that we've talked about. We started with an introduction and a buyer beware warning. A lot of people are out there that just want to give you advice. They want to tell you how things should be done. But before you take advice from someone, make sure that they are committed as they say you should be. That they are not just talk, that they actually do as well. Then we had kind of a mini series. Um, This was new. And what we did was we went out and we found some people who were writing and Let's say that they, they're not fans of Simon's work, and we kind of broke down their arguments. And the first of the three arguments was, shut the fuck up, Simon. And basically, the statement was, shut the fuck up, Simon. Stop wasting our time. We have work to do. That statement itself lives in bad culture, and it is a byproduct of bad leadership. Enough said. Then we moved on to the second argument against the work, and this was crash and burn, Simon. And Basically, it was about the commercial imperative that should drive every business. Any business that loses sight of a commercial imperative is foolishly run. You got to make money to be alive, basically, in business. However, businesses fail every day that are only being run for commercial imperatives. So without a guiding sense of purpose, you're just sprinting towards a pile of money. It's like a runaway train. It's going to crash and burn. And our final of the mini-series of the three contrasting ideas about Simon's work was Simon is full of hot air. Listen, Simon's ideas are just ideas. Any book I've ever read or listened to just gives me ideas. All I need, though, is a catalyst from, quote, Simon's flimsy ideas. That might just create the next Amazon someday. Maybe one of the problems that we have in the world today is that we have all these damn experts out there who proclaim that other people's ideas are not worthy or that there's other smart people who have more and better things to say. If we changed our perspective to what can I learn from this or although he states the obvious, am I really already living living this message or... Is there more I could do? Think about where we could go. So that was the the end of the mini-series that we did. And then we got really into the book itself. And we started with finite thinking and trying to lay the groundwork for what some of these terms are. Finite thinking is bookending whatever it is that you are doing. It's a stubborn, predetermined, limitations based on the desire for control and simplicity. It's always trying to measure success today as if the game's over and tomorrow doesn't matter. The next episode was the opposite. It was the infinite thinking. And by adopting the infinite mindset, we can actually achieve things that make a real lasting difference. That we can align purpose with our work and find fulfillment. That we can change work from a chore, this horrible requirement of being an adult, and turn it into a calling a reason or a purpose or a place in the world that matters or something to be proud of. A stamp that we leave that proves that we were here. 
And that got us to money cancer. And one of the things that we did in that episode is we talked about our dreams. And what about your dream is so important to you? And what are you doing every day to achieve your dream, regardless of how much money you have? Are you fanatical and uncompromising about your dream? If you are in business, are you creating an environment where your customers are inspired into a fanatical and uncompromising state? Use your dream to inspire. Use it to create zealots. Use it to fight money cancer. Then we talked about why businesses fail. And we debated who comes first. Employees, customers, executives, or the business. And that led us directly into how do you fuel your drive for success, where we furthered our discussion, or our debate really, from the previous episode and discussed why employees and customers are just like our children. They are equal parts of the business, and we need to love them equally to avoid the unintended consequences that are otherwise eventually and always coming home to roost. And that led us to founder syndrome and the secret of good parenting. Bad leadership is what can this business do for me? What can I get out of this business? How does this business make me look to others? Good leaders come from what can I do for this company? If I don't show up to work tomorrow, is this company ready to move forward without me? Have I done everything I can to make this a thriving enterprise? Then we talked about eating our way to success, and this is the difference between success and failure. If you want success, fill that proverbial plate and eat as much as you can. Cherish the fact that the nourishment of opportunity is directly in front of you right now. It's begging to be consumed. How hungry are you? How bad do you want it? Stop bitching and start eating. Then we want to challenge ourselves. Are we control addicts? Weak cultures are defined by people who hold others back. Strong cultures are defined by people who look at every situation as a way to propel people forward. Control addicts consider challenges as threats. Good leaders embrace challenges as opportunities. And then we talked about the family tree of arrogance and founder syndrome. And the difference between the two is that, well, not between those two, but we we did get into um, arrogance and confidence. And so the difference between arrogance and confidence is that based on genuine self sense of self-worth is not dependent on external validation. So let me say that one more time. The difference between arrogance and confidence is that confidence is based on a genuine sense of self-worth that is not dependent on external validation. Arrogance is an inflated sense of self-importance and superiority, which often manifests in a personal exaggeration of one's abilities, achievements, or knowledge to try to establish importance over others. So in simple terms, confidence is being aware of your capabilities and limitations. Arrogance is not admitting that you have limitations or that someone else is more capable than you. And that led us to talking about being a visionary. An infinite infinite thinker owns life. They are thinking, my perch is only a brief resting space. It's where I catch my breath to get a view of the world. My passion, drive, and commitment are being to being adaptable will allow me the vision to see the opportunities as the threats are arriving. I'll use the threats to climb higher on the perch, to strengthen my foundation, to give me even more perspective. And you cannot knock me off my perch because I'm already on the move. Then we talked about having courage and stopping 
punishing ourselves. Be an example of how business can be done differently. Don't be afraid. Whatever you lose, you can get back. If you breaking the status quo and finding success does not inspire the people around you, leave them behind. They, well, you are evolving and they are holding you back. Instead of feeling sorry for them and punishing yourself, holding yourself back, give them an example of what better can be. Have the courage to keep evolving forever. We talked about how to incentivize that inspiration. If we can get the environment right, then we give our people the space and support they need to feel like they matter. And when they feel like they matter, they're much more willing to be inspired and keep up with us. We had an episode, uh, Simon Sinek meets David Goggins. You can spend all the money in the world. You're still going to be dust if you cannot attract the will of others. Will is commitment, passion, desire, need. It's the oxygen to the fire. People have it and they desperately want to give it. And the question is, is do you have a cause that is worthy enough to receive it? And that gets us to the just cause. What is this? There are five main pillars of the just cause. You need to be for something, not against it. For is open, against is closed. You need to be inclusive, open to all those who would like to contribute. You need to be service-oriented, always including givers and receivers. You need to be resilient. The just cause needs to be greater than the products and services. Markets are going to rise and fall. People are going to come and go. We need to be able to withstand time and crisis. You need to be idealistic. Big and bold, unlikely to be achieved, infinite during vision. No matter how much success we enjoy, there's miles of it unseen. And that led us to another test. We we named it the red box test. It's something that we were doing on our project on the side. And this was a list of things that it cannot be, that a just cause cannot be. It cannot be virtues. We've done a lot of work on those. Virtues are actions. They are not a place where you are actually going. The just cause cannot be moonshots or BHAGs. And the nature of setting a moonshot or a BHAG is finite in and of itself. And it is done not so because of belief in the cause, but because we need to motivate people. The just cause cannot be just about being the best talked about this many times. It cannot be providing great value. That's basic for every business. It cannot be growth for growth's sake. It has to be a reason for the growth. Or growth can be the byproduct of the pursuit. It can't be corporate responsibility. That's similar to virtues. It's actions. It's not unique. And it cannot be winning. To win is a finite goal. To always win is like being the best or growth for growth's sake. Plus, how do you define a win? If, if you win... Is a win a win if you were cheating? And that took us to the importance of leadership. The CEO's job is to get genuine buy-in with each of their direct reports within the organization and to require them to do the same. And that cascades down through the ranks. The CEO sets the example and holds people accountable to live by the just cause. Even on the smallest team, though, let's say you have a team of three other people. Real leadership is getting the other three people to buy in and live by the cause. To see the star and commit themselves to where it's going. And that got us into greed, incompetence, and lazy leadership. 
Lazy leadership is like a slow-growing cancer corrupts one person at a time. Does so much sickness, the entire organization suddenly collapses. And that got us into corruption by ethical fading and the whole idea of what ethical fading is. If you find yourself in a situation where there's ethical fading, if you have the power to change it, it's your responsibility to start righting the wrongs. If you don't have the power to change it, it's in your best interest to get up and leave. You do not stay in a situation designed to corrupt the best parts of you in return for something superficial. Whatever you think you're gaining from that situation, it is not long-lasting. Then we talked about should you pick trust or high performance? And it doesn't matter how skilled or talented someone on your team is. If that person will fuck you over to make a dollar or get or to get attention or to gain leverage or to gain power or just because they can or because they're a narcissistic SOB, you will get screwed. It will happen. I've had it happen a number of times. You can learn from me or you can learn by owning your own mistakes in all of their glory. Then we talked about this keeping score matter. Our drive is to be better. It is to outdo ourselves. So we track the things that help us be better and outdo ourselves. We have confidence that in doing so, the business results will come. So we do track numbers, but only to see what the impact is of each personal level up that we achieve. We talked about the worthy adversary. On a personal level, as you grow personally and professionally, it's going to be harder and harder to find effective mentors. But in place of them, if you can't find them, consider worthy adversaries. Or even if you can find a mentor, having a worthy adversary is still, I think, very, very important. Push each other. Learn from each other. Teach everyone around you to stop looking at competition as something you need to destroy. Ignore the insignificant and find something or someone to focus your resources on that challenges you to be better. And then we talked about investing or gambling. Control your future. Focus on the infinite. Start investing. Rely on skills that you control. Eliminate the need for luck. Resist the temptation to gamble. And don't obsess over the finite. And we brought it all home with, if you won't flex, you can't win. Force the just cause to make an extreme disruption. Put it to use. By doing so, you are affirming the fact that it is there. If you're not willing to put the just cause in the front and center, in the middle of everything, to let it drive you forward, it doesn't really matter if you've got one. All you did was waste everybody's time. <laughs>